0: Yemen is currently one of the bloodiest in the world and until the killing of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi at the hands of the Saudi regime, this war was largely ignored. Even when media covers Yemen, we mostly see images of destroyed buildings, of rubble, chaos and images of malnourished children. The names, voices and stories of Yemenis are hardly at the center of this conflict's coverage. And as with other wars, women are grouped with children and the elderly. They are portrayed as simply victims at the receiving end of events around them. So how do women see this war and how did it change their lives? In my quest to learn more, I spoke to five Yemeni women, all involved in women and feminist activism in various capacities. I asked them whether women are also actors in this war.
1: And of community level, it's easier for us to work. But in, in, on higher levels, which where we need to be, we need the government that is supporting us. People,
2: they, they live with no dignity, with less than the minimum standards of living.
1: What have brought the best of many, many Yemeni women. But the state doesn't work. doesn't do its job. No water, no
2: electricity, no salaries. More no good education, more no good services of health.
0: But let me backtrack and give you a little background about the ongoing war in Yemen. 2011 was the year when it all started. Like their Arab neighbors, Yemenis took to the streets demanding dignity, social justice and an end to Ali Abdullah Saleh's 33 years rule. The protests were able to remove Saleh and initiated a two year transition phase and a national dialogue conference sponsored by the United Nations. But soon after, the hopes for change were co-opted by Yemen's political establishment. An election with a sole candidate in 2012 brought to power Abdrabba Mansour Hadi, Saleh's former vice president. The political process that brought the new president also birthed a proposal to divide Yemen into six regions with a certain level of autonomy, preempting renewed calls for secession by South Yemenis dismayed by government's political and economic disenfranchisement. The federal's plan also aimed at averting claims to power by the Ansarullah movement, known as the Houthis. The Houthi movement is a rebel group of the Zaydi sect, hailing from the Sada region north of the capital, Sana'a. Let's just say the national dialogue did not go as planned. The new government failed to implement the outcomes of the dialogue and to hold Saleh accountable. Saleh later allied with the Houthis, who refused the federal's plan to divide Yemen. They seized control over parts of the country, slowly making their way to the capital, Sana'a. They dissolved The parliament ousted President Hadi and took over the capital in 2014. But see, the tensions between the central government and the Houthis is not new. Neither is the Gulf states' involvement in Yemen, especially that of Saudi Arabia. This time, Saudi Arabia launched a wide-scale military offensive in March of 2015.
2: Um, good evening, everyone. I'm Adel al the ambassador of Saudi Arabia to the United States. Um, I wanted to uh, meet with you to inform you that uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia launched military operations in Yemen. Uh, the objective is uh, limited to defending and protecting the legitimate government of Yemen and preventing its collapse uh, to, to the Houthis. <laughs>
0: But the offensive ended up being not so limited what may have appeared as an internal conflict slowly turned into a regional war with arab and muslim countries joining the coalition led by saudi arabia and an unofficial support by iran to the houthis the houthis currently control the capital sanaa and much of the north of the country the saudi emirati coalition controls much of the south and a tight blockade by the coalition has led to conditions of famine and to the spread of diseases like cholera and diphtheria. The conflict in Yemen has many layers, including a southern secessionist movement, a 16-year-old U.S. drone war against al-Qaeda, which remains active in the country, and according to media reports, al-Qaeda militants are fighting alongside coalition forces against the Houthis in parts of the country. And last but not least, the United Arab Emirates, a leading force in the coalition, running what appears to be its own independent agenda in Yemen, especially in the South. Most recent accounts estimate that 60,000 lives may have been taken by the war. This number only includes deaths directly caused by violence. Organizations like Save the Children estimate additional tens of thousands may have died from other conflict-related causes. Currently, 18 million people are food insecure and 22 million are in need of assistance. For context, Yemen's population is estimated at 28 million people. So millions are literally on the brink of starvation. So how are these women coping with this war? It's, no, it's
3: not anymore more Yemeni war.
0: This is women and gender studies professor in Tulaq Al-Mutawakkil. She teaches at Sana'a University. She describes the war to me as absurd. Like other women I spoke to, she believes the war is out of Yemeni's control now. Uh,
3: it is not internal conflict right now anymore. We cannot say it is among internal uh, uh, parties who really... Like stop it. I mean, but now it is a regional, it is international war. Uh, using uh, I mean Yemen as the land for this uh, battle for the uh, people from both uh, conflict uh, Yemenis. I mean conflict parties. There, they're really tired and they're ready to stop it.
0: So, what do you think is the but obstacle? What's the problem? What? They are not allowed. It.
3: It's now. It's not anymore Yemeni war.
0: Antalak lost her father at the beginning of this conflict. He was a politician. Mohammed Malik Al-Mutawakkil was his name. She says he was working to bring Yemen's opposing parties together. Her nephew, who was studying in Malaysia, died after medical procedure and his family was unable to be with him during his sickness due to the closure of Sana'a's airport. The family tried everything to bring his body back into Yemen and finally was able to smuggle him in, in a commercial truck that was carrying supplies. But that's not the only tragedy her family had to endure.
3: I, uh, I have now a brother-in-law who's detained in Mareb. He, he, he is a professor at Sana'a University in an economy, and he was going to, um, he coming, he's coming back from Morocco, an economy conference through Mareb, because uh, Sana'a's uh, airport is closed, so he was first disappeared until now. We know nothing about him. It is mainly actually because of his last name. It's just uh, from the same race as Abd al-Malik that, al That's the main... He's not a politician. He's an economist.
0: And Tulaq is referring to the local authorities in the city of Ma'rib, considered loyal to the government of President Hadi and supported by Saudi Arabia. The exact number of those abducted by parties of the conflict remains unknown. But in the recent peace talks in Sweden, the names of 15,000 prisoners were listed as part of a swap deal. Amal Abdul Rahman has been actively searching for her cousin for the past two years. She did not tell me his name, but she believes he was abducted by the Houthis. Uh, Ibn
4: Hammi My cousin was taken from his home. Militants from the Houthi and former President Saleh forces came in while he was having lunch with his family. They asked him to come with them. He asked if he could finish his lunch, but they did not allow it. We haven't heard from him since. She
0: breaks into tears as she tells me about her aunt, the cousin's mother. She suffered a stroke and memory loss after his disappearance. Amal is from the capital, Sana'a, and she tells me since the war, they have faced economic hardships, bombing by the Saudi-led coalition, and intimidation and censorship by the Houthis currently ruling the capital. This is a problem facing many journalists and human rights defenders. Amal recounts being harassed by the Houthis for speaking to a media outlet about the case of a family friend who was also kidnapped. The man was on a hunger strike to protest torture in prison.
4: Just because I spoke to the media and expressed my solidarity with this man, I was threatened. Militants came to my house and threatened to arrest me under the pretext that I was causing civil unrest. They threatened they would take my 10-year-old son if I do not stop or pay ransom.
0: Amal is a mother of five. Her family worries about her but supports the work she does. Before the war, she was a housewife. Now, she's one of the leaders of the Association of Mothers of the Abductees, a woman-led organization that Emil and others started after realizing their individual efforts weren't working and that they needed to organize themselves to advocate for their family members abducted by parties of the conflict. Those abductees are often held without charges or any legal processes. That's why ML's organization calls them abductees. She tells me that when she began investigating the disappearance of her cousin, she hardly knew where to go. She didn't know where the Red Cross or the United Nations offices were. She started meeting other women who have disappeared family members outside of detention centers.
4: I used to run into other women outside of prison a few times a week. Most of us were housewives and had little experience in public life and in this type of advocacy. We used to share with each other information, like who to talk to that may have leverage over the current administration in Sana'a where to go, where people are detained, and for how long, to learn about our disappeared family members. We realized that we shared a lot of the same pain and became close to each other. We just selflessly supported each other, and we became a family.
0: Today, Amal took it upon herself to learn human rights laws and international conventions for her work. Her organization is the main local grassroots group to advocate for Yemeni war prisoners. In their latest report issued, they document the methods of torture of over 900 detainees, including 71 cases of people who died under torture. Women stepping up and taking on more responsibilities was a theme I heard with every one of the women I spoke with. Nisma Wansour is a student from Aden, south of Yemen. She's involved with the Women Peace Track Initiative, an organization that organizes local actions to educate and push for women's rights. They also advocate for their participation in a peaceful resolution of the conflict. Nisma was herself an IDP, or an internally displaced person, Earlier in the conflict, she tells me that Yemeni women are playing a central role in the humanitarian relief on the ground.
1: Every woman that feels that she can help, they go out, help. They they form a small initiatives. For example, now it's Eid in in yeah, Now it's Eid in the Muslim world, and many like it started like There they were. They are collecting donations. They are buying new clothes for the IDP kids. Um, this is this is one of the very many things women are doing now. Um, uh, like I, I I cannot like explain how proud I am of them of their work and how proud I am of seeing that women are not just sitting at home and saying that let the men do the job. No, we're doing we're doing it. We're not just the victims. We're all we're also there helping and. And trying to make like make the situation livable as possible,
0: with the inflation and absence of many men, women who may have never worked outside of their homes before had to go out and work to provide for their families.
1: Like you would see, so many businesses now have opened. They are women, uh, women businesses which was very rare Uh, many women have enrolled in the workforces Uh, sadly many of them are like very underqualified because they were depending on men on providing but you could see it that many are now uh, looking for our job, like improving their skills, enrolling in in collect like studying.
0: Amel from the Abductees Mothers Association also talked to me about women being forced to work outside of their homes. Not an easy task with the high unemployment rate and the disruptions in salaries for the public sector employees. She says one of her friends found herself forced to collect plastic bottles and selling them, making a hundred rials per bag. That's about 50 U.S. cents. Today, some parts of Yemen, like the South, are considered more peaceful than others. But the entire country is suffering the consequences of this relentless war. Filling the humanitarian and social void remains easier for women than playing a political role in this bloody conflict.
1: There are many women who are saying that it's not the time now to be politically involved, because if I, I was involved now, I would like I would have to be with one of the conflict parties, and some, many see that both parts of the conflict are guilty, so they don't want their names to be connected to either one of the conflict parts, not either, either the government nor the Houthis. So everyone is like stepping back because it's too, it's too dangerous, it's too not, not stable, not safe.
0: In the aftermath of the 2011 revolution, women constituted one-third of the participants in the National Dialogue Conference that was sponsored by the United Nations. That included independent women and those affiliated with political parties. Women were able to secure a 30% quota on all governmental levels in the proposed draft of the new constitution, which they participated in writing. They contributed
2: with their capacities, with their experience, with their aspirations.
0: This is Wameed Shakir, a woman and gender expert based in the capital, Sana'a. But not
2: an ultimate achievement. As a start. To continue uh, women's participation in building the new state, the new Yemen. Unfortunately, the, the National Dialogue Conference, which women participate effectively and let's say meaningfully in that conference, to formulate the outcomes of the National Dialogue Confer- Conference regarding many national issues. The state structure, the independent uh, entities of the state,
0: the human life. Wameed says when it comes to women's rights, that draft constitution was the most progressive they've seen. But as the national dialogue failed and the war broke out, the quota was not followed through. Organizations like the Yemeni Women Pact for Peace and Security, which Wameed is a member of, is one of the local organizations working to safeguard the 30% quota. And although women were present in some of the negotiation rounds between the parties of the conflict, their participation was sometimes a token representation. I asked Wamid about that. She said the impact of women's participation goes beyond. It has an impact on the, the society, the community, the individuals.
2: Uh, in making their uh, attitude towards, uh, towards women positive and uh, to believe Uh, that
0: women's participation is a right. Wamid also points to the role of women members of political parties. She says they have been also at times instrumental in communicating with activists on the ground and facilitating negotiations for the release and swap of political prisoners. I asked her if she thinks women's active social and political involvement can be viewed as a challenge to societal taboos. She told me women stepping up their role should be viewed as a natural response and not some sort of a breakthrough in women's status. Women are not generally participating in combat, but many reports document indirect involvement of Yemeni women in the conflict, from recruiting to caring for the wounded and feeding fighters. Beyond that, grassroots women groups have worked tirelessly to advocate for a peaceful resolution of the conflict. For months, they have articulated exactly the steps they viewed necessary for that to be achieved. Such proposals were shared with the United Nations envoys on multiple occasions. And as we've heard from the women I interviewed, they are also involved in the humanitarian efforts. They are protesting, negotiating the release of prisoners and documenting human rights violations. All of that in addition to their role in maintaining the social cohesion of the Yemeni society. I asked women I spoke to what they wanted listeners to know. Here is Arwal al an engineer and an organizer with the Women's Coordination Committees at Adan's refinery company.
4: In light of the ongoing conflict and the government abandoning its responsibilities, international organizations can do more. We need a genuine and effective role. Help is desperately needed. Not just in the humanitarian sector, but in long-term sustainable development, in education, human rights, and many other sectors, to help alleviate the society.
0: The response of international aid groups to the tragedy in Yemen remains inadequate. It is further complicated by a blockade imposed by the Saudi-led coalition and disruptions by Houthi forces. By United Nations agencies and other humanitarian organizations have maintained a special attention to women's peace-building efforts. Here's what Arwa
4: had to say about that. We cannot expect women to carry all the burden. At the end of the day, women are part of society and cannot change it alone. What goes on affects women as it affects men, and women's empowerment cannot happen in isolation from the rest of society. What is needed is a comprehensive process.
0: Women constitute 76% of the 3 million internally displaced people in the country. International organizations document a 63% increase in violence against women since the beginning of the conflict and an increase in child marriages due to families' desperate economic conditions. Also, civil society organizations in Yemen point to the increase in households led by female IDPs below the age of 18. The recently signed peace agreement in Sweden is a spark of hope, but it is still hard to know how things will change on the ground. It's hard to predict whether women's hopes will see the light, but what's for sure is that women are striving for a better life on all levels. So far, They've continued to bear the brunt of this war. From Berkeley, California, I am Miran Abulsi.